You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Recording on Monday, this is coming out on the day of the All-Star Game, but it's the day of the Home Run Derby. Peter Apple, you're going to be at the Home Run Derby, and I'm Jack McMullen, that's my name. Uh, (laughs) I am excited to watch the Home Run Derby because there's no humidor. There's no humidor. These balls are going to go literally to Mars. Literally to Mars. And we were just at the Futures game, and it was unbelievably fun, but... I can't think of a better event in baseball that I would want to go to this year than the Home Run Derby in Coors Field. And I just read the weather report. We got seven mile an hour winds out to right field. Combine that with the elevation. So the biggest prop of the day is over 518 foot home runs. I think Shohei could hit it 540. I think Shohei could. I think Joey Gallo could go 541. Matt Olson could go 542. (laughs) And even Salvador Perez is not going to win. Because no catcher has ever won the home run derby before. But I mean, I could see him also hitting a 500 foot bomb. The dude has crazy juice too. You know what? You know what the most fun part about this is? The podcast doesn't even come out until after this. So we're just we're talking about everything in hypothetical. And, and then, watch, like, we'll come back. We'll come back and there will be no 500 foot home runs. And, but that's just impossible, right? Yeah. There has no, to be some 500 foot bombs. Trevor Story is going to win and his longest homer is going to be 410. <laughs> See, I'm kind of staying away from Trevor's story. I don't think the value is good at plus 600. And I I love how this is coming out the day before because he'll probably win. It's a total joke. Uh, Trevor's story, if he makes it out of the first round, holy upset. Holy upset. It's possible. This is going to be such a good episode, man, because we're going to talk about your experience at the Futures game. We already talked about the Derby. We'll talk about the All-Star game a little bit, but then we put the finishing touches on our top 20 All-Star list with 10 through 1. We also have <laughs> three honorable mentions that... <laughs> we like- had to just keep going because we there's too many good players, dude. There's so many good players. And, we, you know, we're getting... You know, we look at guys like... I'm not going to mention them yet, but they're honorable, honorable, honorable mentions. Right, so like... I don't necessarily know if they are part of the honorable mention group because I think they are better than the last crop of honorable mentions. Possibly. possibly. It's a travesty if we don't mention them. So we have to mention them at least. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of guys. These were the honorable mentions that were better than 20, (laughs) but were worse than like. I don't know why it's so funny. 
No, it's it's stupid. It's really stupid. And we are stupid and we are talking about baseball and it's so fun. So just it's so fun. Humor us. But let's talk about the futures game because that's something that I know everybody at Just Baseball was really excited to be a part of. You, Colby, Aram, we're all in hog heaven watching that thing. Absolutely. And such a perfect day for baseball also. It's like 82 degrees, sunny, no wind, just perfect day for baseball. We're sitting right next to the dugouts. And there were so many players that jumped out to me. And I just want to start with the first one in Shane Baz of the Rays. Nine pitches, effortless, 98. And I always knew Shane Baz was great, but seeing him up close, just go out there and dominate. And guys who pitched really well or guys who hit really well and there's just a lot of effort in their game they're obviously trying really hard it actually looks like Shane Baz just rolled out of bed went onto the mound shoved and then just left easy 98 Shane Baz was the most impressive arm at least that I saw at the futures game he's in Durham so he's in AAA he could join the Rays for a postseason run I think he should right he should I feel like Shane Baz has been in that system forever because he was a high school draftee. Right. I feel like he's been there for a long time, but he's finally going to break through very soon. And that effortless 99 with McClanahan, who is also effortless 99. I think, I think Baz really is good. better. I think Baz is better than McClanahan, honestly. Wow. I think Baz is going to be a front of the line starter, possibly like right after Glasnow and compete with him to be the best pitcher in the race rotation. I think Shane Baz is that good. And you know who else is so good? And I know Arm was all over him too. Cade Cavalli. Oh, oh my God. What, what the hell is he eating? He was even less effortless 99. It was like these two guys looked like they rolled out of bed throwing a hundred mile an hour bullets, the cutter, the slider, I know Arm talked about him too, but I just got to vent a little bit about him because I was so incredibly impressed with Cade Cavalli of the Nationals. I mean, they just got another horse. Like if Strasburg continues to be hurt, you could just put Cade Cavalli in there and he'll be just as good. I mean, maybe not as False. good as Prime Strasburg. False. Prime Strasburg, I don't know. But Cade Cavalli is that dude and is going to be that next kind of front of the line starter for the Nationals that we see kind of pop up every single year. Cavalli could be better than Patrick Corbin right now. I said Corbin oh. was my disappointment pitching-wise of Absolutely. run half of the year. Bats-wise, Brennan Davis, obviously, with a multi-homer game. Yes. Like I've seen Brennan Davis this year, and I was so sold when I saw Brennan Davis. I know Aram is so sold. You got a chance to see Jason Dominguez. Thank God you finally saw him, so you can just stop talking about him. Oh, my God. No, this is when I'm now going to start talking about him more because now I know that he's real and he wasn't just this fake mirage made up by the Yankees to at least alleviate some of our fans' depression. Also, before we talk about Dominguez, hold on, I got to give you the okay. All right, hold on. Is he your (laughs) he your friend now? Because you were in the same ballpark, you guys are boys now, right? We're boys. I was yelling at him. He definitely probably pointed in my direction. He knows. He knows me. He knows I'm on them. All right, but back to your spiel. Back to my spiel. The craziest, worst stat I've heard today. And it involves my New York Yankees, of course. Okay. MLB teams are 493 and two. It's a 996 winning percentage when leading by four plus runs entering the ninth inning this season. The New York Yankees are responsible 
for both of those losses. Are the New York Yankees responsible or is Lois Iga and Chapman responsible for both of those? The New York Yankees are responsible for both of those. It's Brian, a team-wide mistake. Is it a Brian I mean, yeah, Cashman thing? Maybe they blew it. Yeah, it, it goes all the way up. And that just like, God, that depresses me. But back to Dominguez. Dominguez, you can tell the tools are there. I mean, we were even watching him in warmups. Yeah, he went over three with two Ks, but he had a 106-mile-an-hour line out. But you just watch him even in center field too. Effortless gun to the plate. He's running around. Effortless. He's huge, and he's so young. He's the only guy still in rookie ball. I mean, I, I heard Arm talking about how, you know, he hadn't even gone to prom at the same age that Dominguez is right now. So maybe the final stat line wasn't the best for Dominguez, but I came away feeling really good about the player he will become. And we don't have to evaluate the player he is right now against the best pitchers in the world at around his age group. We don't have to do that. Just one game. Know that one game Dominguez is going to be really good. The tools, the tools are off the charts. No doubt. The all-star game stats don't matter for the MLB's biggest stars. Of course, Mike Trout has won an all-star game MVP before, but that's Mike Trout. Like, some of the best players in the game go 0 for 3 in the All-Star game. That's just Absolutely. how that works, and it doesn't change your impression of them because it's one game against the best pitchers on the planet, and this is the minor league All-Star game. Are there any guys, after I say that, and after I give people kind of a cop-out for not playing well, are there any guys <laughs> that concerned you that didn't look the part? Nobody really concerned me. I've been super, super high on Julio Rodriguez and he K'd a couple times, but I'm also not worried about him because you look at him and he's 20 years old and he's bigger than everybody and he's a freak out there athletically. So nobody really concerned me that I was seeing another guy that I really wanted to mention, Francisco Alvarez, the catcher for the Mets. Oh, wow. An absolute moon tank as well. I mean, he's, he's just a muscle hamster. We were even talking about his pants. The dude's legs are tree trunks yeah, and nice not, not just tree trunks, like redwood tree trunks. He's got those They're, hammies. He's yes. His hamstrings were like bulging out of the back of his legs. How is the ass man? Quads, How are the glutes? Oh, good. He's got good <laughs> glutes. The, the, the freaking quads. He's got square quads. It looked like he was wearing <laughs> catcher's gear underneath his pants. He wasn't. I he was, he I think. He was wearing catcher's gear underneath his pants and then catcher's gear on top of his pants. Ugh. He was the thickest dude around, no doubt. And he hit a bomb. He's going to be a beast for the Mets. Thick with seven Cs. Hey, the Yankees picked a guy who I've never heard of in the first round uh, on Sunday night. We're recording yeah. Sunday. Sunday night. Yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Trey Sweeney, shortstop, you know. He walks a lot. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, and he seems good. But, uh, you know, Ty Madden was there. Pitcher out of Texas. Yeah. There were some other guys who uh, could have been a bit better. We'll see. I When I first saw the pick, I was like, oh, my God, we just blew it again. Yeah. But, you know, I did a little bit more research. I think he'll be okay. It's hard to tell. He obviously raked in his conference. I think OCV. OVC, the Ohio Valley? Yeah, the Ohio Valley Conference. He did rake there. I mean, 6'4", 200 pounds is real. Eastern Illinois kid? Lefty bat, yes. Lefty bat. He's going to hit for some power. The leg kick is a bit concerning. I think they'll have to probably go in and change that swing a little bit. I just hope they don't change it too much so then he stops hitting. 
so I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to freak out like I might on everything else. Yeah. I think he might be okay. It's just the problem is I, I just hadn't heard of him. And maybe that's my fault, but I just hadn't heard of him. Did you, I, what are your thoughts on Trace Winnie? Do you have any? I, I don't have any. And he's the yeah. Eastern Illinois kid, I think. And I feel like I should have thoughts on the Eastern Illinois kid, but I don't. The reason why I do like him, I mean, 46 walks and 24 punch outs. That's pretty good. But then again, right. what kind of competition is he facing? Right. That's the only problem. But at least he's, you know, he's got the approach down. He's a good hitter. They're saying he's going to stick it short as well. Lefty cool. in Yankee Stadium. You know, as I kind of talk about it, I kind of like it to pick a little bit more. But you know what? I'm, you know, we're waiting. It's a wait and see attitude right now. Also, Brendan Beck, we got in the second round out of Stanford. And we saw him in the College World Series. Excellent pick. I think that kind of rebounded that pick. So, you know what? I'm okay. We got excited. We got excited about the Will Bednar pick. We were, you know, Mm, texting about it. Aram Layton and I talked about it on the pod. The Marlins won night one. I think bleeding Mm. into day two, I love the Red Sox first two picks. Marcelo Meyer at four and then Judd Fabian early in the second round. That's a great cleanup by the Red Sox. Oh, I mean, they just added two of, you maybe added the guy who was supposed to go 1-1, even though I love the pick in Henry Davis, and I think Jack Leiter was my number one pick off the board. But you could easily make the argument that Marcelo Mayer could have gone one. I mean, he's gotten Corey Seager bat comps with Brandon Crawford glove comps. <laughs> First of all, the comps that they're giving out is insane. I mean, you're projecting him, so he's just an auto Hall of Famer. <laughs> and then, But then he wouldn't go with the first overall pick. The comps are a little bit out of control, but they're also kind of fun to do anyway. So it doesn't even really matter that much. And can you hear the raspiness in my voice as I talk? I was screaming yesterday at the Futures game. Screaming. Yeah, I can hear it. It was so much fun. Uh, Get get ready for the derby, man. Oh, I can't. I cannot wait. Shohei's going to hit a 550-foot bomb. But back to the draft. I like the McGreevy pick as well. Um, I like the Hogland pick. Um, I I just like a lot of these college arms. And no wonder they all went close to the first round. But Will Bednar, my boy, I've been screaming about him for months now. And Farhan Saidi, one of the best GMs in baseball, me and him, you know, we think alike. You guys are boys now, too. We're boys. Me, Jason Dominguez, Farhan Saidi, we're all getting dinner after this. No way. Roots, Chris, yeah. where are you going? Um, steak. Steak. I mean, do you think Dominguez eats anything but steak? What if he's just a big kale guy? <laughs> no way. That body? No way. No, you you he's could build like a brick shit house. <laughs> you could vibe with Jason Dominguez about sea moss. I'm sure. Oh, 100 percent. He's probably all over sea moss. It's probably why Brian Farhan's 82. Sea moss guys. Yeah, big sea moss guys. That'd be big. <laughs> Are we going to get a sea moss sponsorship soon? Why not? I'm the only person in the podcast realm talking up sea moss. No one even knows about it. I could sell that shit like butter. Dude, there are a ton of podcasts out there. I bet someone else is talking about You think about other people are talking about CMOS? I would let's let's have somebody on who's also talking about CMOS. You know what? Let's confront them. Let's say, do you like CMOS as much as Peter does? No way. No shot. Also no chlorophyll way. tablets. Wow. Tell me yeah. about those. Just took six of those. I'm not sure what they do. do you, I don't you know the on full... chlorophyll tablets. Chlorophyll if you don't know tablets. what they do, why'd you take six? Well, you're supposed to take six. That's like the, uh, that's the serving size, I guess. Okay. It's plant extract. So it's like the, it's like all the juice that you would squeeze out of a kale, <laughs> out of spinach. And then you put them in these little tablets and I eat them. And it's like, you know, I can just eat, go eat whatever I want afterwards. Cause I just had six plant extract pills. 
Oh man, it's like tinctures, right? Oh, that's crazy. I'm feeling All jacked right. though. What? I'm feeling jacked though. Are you? Demos, chlorophyll, like six cups of coffee. <laughs> Watch out for your heart <laughs> with six cups of coffee. Uh, hey, you want to talk about outfielders? So bad. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Do we want to start with the honorable honorables? I think we should. We have to. We have to start with the honorable honorable honorables. We've got three more guys that weren't on the honorable mentions list. We're not 11 through 20 that we didn't know how to classify because they weren't 11 through 20, but they were better than honorable mentions. As weird as that sounds, I have no idea how to describe this. There is one guy that isn't really an outfielder anymore. One that has been dealing with injuries all year. And then another where we had no idea how to classify him because he's bizarre (laughs) <laughs> the three names are Jared Walsh, Brandon Nimmo, and Tyler O'Neill. Let's start with Jared Walsh because this guy can mash. And he was mash. the one that was impossible to place because he's like pretty much a first baseman now. The bat is undeniable. If we were to run back the top 10 first baseman, he may be top five with 22 bombs and a 900 OPS. Absolutely. I mean, the, the only problem was, is at the time when we made that list, Albert Pujols had just been let go by the Angels right. to the Dodgers. So he was playing a lot of outfield, but then primarily now he just plays first base. So we kind of got screwed there. But then again, as we make these lists over the weeks and things change, numbers change, people move positions, we got to be flexible. We're flexible guys. I think so. I do stretching. Uh, I need to stretch more, honestly. You do need to stretch more with how how many vitamins you're taking. You need to stretch more. (laughs) Brandon Nimmo has been hurt, but he slaps it all over the yard, and he's done so for the last three or four years. And when he comes back and when he's healthy for the Mets, that's a leadoff hitter. Absolutely. Brandon Nimmo is like like Hunter Pence. He's like a lefty Hunter Pence. He's kind of gangly and weird, but he does everything right, and he's a good outfielder in the Mets. I mean, he's one of those like guys that you plug in the Mets lineup, you hit him lead off, and the Mets are instantly a better team. I feel like Brandon Nimmo is also one of those more underrated guys, even though he's in a big market in New York. But he's still, you know, he's good. I give him, I, I compare him a lot to Hunter Pence. I think he moves weird, but he moves, moves like a baseball player. You just think he's weird because he's from Wyoming. And Wyoming from Wyoming, Wyoming doesn't have high school baseball. So Brandon Nimmo's what? baseball experience was travel baseball. Brandon Nimmo, really? could not, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. How crazy is that? Brandon Nimmo could not play high school baseball in Wyoming. I think there's like 500,000 people in the state of Wyoming. I don't know about that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't confirm nor deny. And we're recording via zoom on my laptop. So I kind of just want to make eye contact with you. And I don't want to Google that real quick. I might do it while we talk about Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is our third and final honorable mention. His nickname when he was in double a was legitimately Popeye. He was squatting 585 as a minor leaguer. He's the strongest man in baseball. His dad used to be the strongest man in Canada. And I'm not sure how often pure physical strength translates to baseball. I know we've seen it with Giancarlo Stanton, but we don't see it that often. And it does with him. He's in the top echelon of the league in exit velo. And he's at the pinnacle of the sport in sprint speed. In terms of speed and strength, There's no one in Major League Baseball that's a better athlete than Tyler O'Neill. However, there are a lot of people that strike out a lot less than Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill is a bowling ball. He is. He's a bowling ball. He's good, and he should be on this list. Good WRC plus around 140. He's good. Is he 
Do I like Dylan Carlson going into the future? Probably more. Probably yes. Is Tyler O'Neill having a better year than Dylan Carlson? And does Dylan Carlson have the track record as a rookie? No, he does not. So we go Tyler O'Neill here over Dylan Carlson right now. But to mention Dylan Carlson is important because, you know, we picked him as, I picked him as a rookie of the year at the beginning of the year. And Tyler O'Neill's good. You know, that's what I got on him. He's good. You remember what I picked uh, as NL rookie of the year? No. Who did at, you pick? At plus 4,100. Did we talk about Haseon Kim? We talked we did. About, we talked about Jonathan India. Yes, we did. At plus 4,100. Yes, we did, Jack. Oh, come on. Let's talk again in October. This could be massive for just baseball. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. plus 1,400 to win an AL MVP. <laughs> we could have a massive we October. Have a massive day. Not just because of the postseason. We could have a massive October at just baseball. It'll be fun. Christmas party on us. Uh, but let's now get into the top 10. You ready? I don't know if that was a clean enough transition. Let's do it again. And I'm going to keep All this right, let's in. Do it again. I'm not going like to edit it. this out. Three, two, one. And now we get into the top 10. A little bit better, right? Much better. Okay. I'll start with number 10. Yeah, you want to start with number 10? Because number 10 is a freak of nature. He's a freak. Cattell Marte is the 10th best outfielder in Major League Baseball right now. I know he hasn't played that often, but he's hitting the ball harder than ever, more consistently than ever. And he's a line drive freak. He's got the lowest launch angle of his life, under five degrees. That's line drives. He's battled the injury bug and he's missed the last two weeks heading into the All-Star break. He's played 37 games and he's hitting 370 with a 556 slugging in 37 games. But maybe the best part about him, the positional versatility. Oh my, if he's healthy, somebody needs to add him and he's a massive piece to a postseason run. And Dustin Demeter was talking about, because uh, he was talking with Josh Rojas, um, an infielder extraordinaire on the Diamondbacks. And Rojas was talking about Cattell Marte in the cage. And Cattell Marte in the cage strolls in and he peppers 110 mile an hour line drives in the cage. That doesn't happen. Like we've seen guys in game, you know, I mean, Marco Luciano, another guy in the futures game at 119 mile an hour home run when he was 19 years old. And guys obviously like Judge, Stan, they pepper in those kind of line drives like that. But like you don't do that in the cage on no. soft toss. This guy is so strong. And you think that Cattell Marte might be a little speedster? No. No. He is shredded. He is big. And if the Diamondbacks would just trade him, he would get the biggest haul ever. I mean, absolutely <sighs> huge. I don't know if he will. He's going to be incredibly expensive because he's still got more years of control, but yeah. Do, you th- do you think Arizona knows his full value, though? I'm thinking that Arizona might get gypped hard if they trade Cattell Marte at the deadline. They should listen to this podcast and understand that he's a top 10 outfielder. Like, no doubt. And he could be higher. I mean, I think just with track record, there have been some years of bad, some years with insanity. So th- I think 10 is kind of the perfect place to rank him. And with full health this year, this would be one of the years of insanity. And even with not full health, this has been one of the years of insanity for Cattell Marte. Absolutely. So the ninth best outfielder in baseball is Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers. It's no secret that Yelich has not been great this season, but the struggles really started in 2020. 
since the last since the start of last season, he's hitting 227. Yelich still knows how to get on base. He's rocking a 377 on base since 2020, and he's currently sitting at a 400 on base percentage. The guy figures out how to get on first base with the best of them, but he definitely just gets pitched around all the time in that Brewers lineup with just not a ton of pop behind him. And I still think he's dealing with that back injury as he can't sit in that back hip and drive the ball like he used to. But he's still Christian freaking Yelich, and he's still a top 10 guy. His hard hit rate is still in the 92nd percentile. He's just not getting the ball over the fence as often as he once did. That's why you might see a lower slugging percentage. We need a big second half from Yelich to keep him in the top 10 going forward. But he's just so goddamn talented. I'm not going to be the guy to bet against that. I'm not going to be the guy to bet against it either. Christian Yelich. I think we're going to get a lot of flack for having Yelich in the top 10 this year. I think we might, but I don't care. Really. I don't care. It's Christian Yelich. I mean, and, he could have won back-to-back MVPs if he didn't get nailed in the kneecap with 30 games left. Like, he was beating Bellinger that year. And he was beating what? Bellinger that year, and he just got hurt. He so was, he's still that dude. He's he just a back thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a nagging thing, and you're right. He would have won back-to-back MVPs, and I don't think we'd be having this conversation where he might be on the outside looking in, but he is certainly properly positioned moving forward in 2021 and beyond. Yelich is as fun a swing to watch as baseball has. It's a beautiful swing when fully healthy. Gorgeous. And when he's right, when he's healthy, 100% healthy, he is a top five overall hitter in baseball, I think. Yeah. That makes two of us. Here's another guy that might be in that conversation. Jesse Winker is number eight. And Winker has been a revelation ever since he came into the league in 2017. The batting average has hovered around 300 every year. The OPS in the 850 to 900 range pretty much every year. And the hard hits have slowly climbed. And then everything burst onto the scene this year. This is not a fluke season, what Jesse Winker is doing. Everything clicked for him this year, but that's not a luck thing. That's who he is. He's as talented a hitter as the league has. And Jesse Winker will be a top 10 to top 20 outfielder for a long time. I love Jesse Winker. And you're so totally right on that point about how this is not some fluke season that came out of nowhere. He's been really good for a long time. The only problem with Winker, I mean, there was a game a couple days ago where I bet on the Reds and they were beating the Brewers and he just drops like the easiest fly ball in left field. He's not the best defender, but man, can the dude rake. But like the defense sometimes infuriates me with Winker. He gets, he gets horrible jumps. Yeah, it's it's almost seems like laziness, but I know he's not lazy, but it just seems like he's not it's not like a quick snap to the ball. It's like a oh, okay, now okay, now let's go get the fly ball. And it takes him a second. Right. Right. It, it's hard. Catching a fly ball is hard. Catching a fly ball is kind of hard, especially at the majors when guys are hitting at 115 miles an hour. And he's straight in the sky. Checking in at number seven, his teammate. Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds. Castellanos is having an absolute out-of-body experience in 2021, and he has a case for NL MVP through the first half of this season so far. He refuses to stop destroying baseballs. He's hitting over 330 while spraying balls all over the ballpark. He's got obvious juice hitting 18 home runs, but he's another doubles machine, and we love doubles machines. No doubt that Cassianos is one of the best hitters in baseball right now. But the defense, 
the defense is lackluster at best. He's in the third percentile and outs above average. That's pretty terrible. But you know what Castellanos did? He threw away his iPhone this offseason. He just uses a flip phone. He's completely off the internet. He only trusts a few people in his circle with his swing and is completely locked in this year, and it's paying off big time. He threw away his iPhone. I love it. I want to throw away my iPhone, too. I do, too. I mean, but TikTok, I'm a sway boy. You are. Are, you, are you a member of the Hype House or the Sway House? We haven't decided yet. I have no idea the difference. One of them has Lil Huddy, and I like that name a lot. I'm not in that one. You're in the other one. I'm in the one where he, I'm not in that one. I don't know where the other guys are. I don't I want think, to be in that one. I think that kid's name is Chase Hudson. It might be like, it might not be Chase. Sounds right. I think his last name is Hudson, and he goes by Lil Huddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, and that guy makes like $30 million a year yeah. or something. Yeah, we make less than that. Yeah. Uh, I am a fan <laughs> of Castellanos. I liked him when he was in the Cubs. Well, when he was in Chicago, I liked him when he was in Detroit. He was in Houston before that. I mean, he bounced around for a while, was average for a while. And then all of a sudden he got to one of the best hitter parks in baseball. And he's been, he's been playing really well. Castellanos is better than Jesse Winker right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think overall he is too. I think just overall, he's done it longer. Give me I think one he's of them. A better hitter, I think so. Do you think Winker's a better hitter? Yeah, maybe. Give me one of them for the next five years. I'm taking Winker. Winker's younger, but it's so close, right? It, I think it's razor thin. That's why if you said Winker seven, Castellanos eight, we have Castellanos seven, Winker eight. I just think it's razor thin. But the fact that they're in the same outfield, it's crazy. But the Reds are, you know, the Reds. Top six is a different breed. Yeah different breed of dudes we we get into this next echelon in the top six and it starts with the sixth best outfielder in baseball and it's Bryce Harper the Bryce Harper hate pisses the both of us off so much so much guy you we talk about prospect fatigue with Kumar Rocker and how you're just constantly watching everything that Kumar does so you start to nitpick the negative things and not just appreciate how freaking awesome Kumar was at Vandy same thing happened to Bryce Harper. Everybody's been watching his every move since he was 15 years old. And now all you want to do is nitpick when he, sling, when he swings at the slider away. And he still does that. He does that often. But Bryce Harper rakes. He hits the piss out of the ball. He does it constantly. His bat path is gorgeous. His arm is still immaculate. He's as hard a swinger as the game has. He's not that great in the outfield with the glove, but he's not a liability. And this guy is so marketable. I mean, mm-hmm. Philly has a star. Absolutely. And go ask Nationals fans and now go ask Phillies fans. I think he's one of the most pitched around players in baseball. Absolutely. He never gets anything to hit. Never, never. And he hasn't gotten anything to hit since he came up into the league. This has been a don't throw it in the zone because it's still Bryce freaking Harper. Like Bryce Harper is a definitive top six guy. I think there's kind of no doubt the guy gets on base with the best of them. Like you said, I actually think in my just opinion, I think he's a better fielder than maybe people give him credit for, especially with that rocket of an arm and right field. 
And I think you could even, he's athletic enough that you could even move him to center field. And I think he could be okay there too. I'm not saying they're going to, but I think he's that kind of athlete where if you asked, Hey Bryce, we need you to go play center kind of like the fifth best um, outfielder in baseball. He could probably do that. Here's the deal with Bryce Harper, his MVP year in 2015, he hit 330, but his OBP was 460. Yeah. The year after that in 2016, in 147 games, he hit 243. Okay, shun that. His OBP was 373. He doesn't exactly. get pitched to. He is always walking. He led the league in walks in 2018 and last year, 2020. He walked 49 times. He struck out 43 times. And he hit 13 homers, which is pretty much equivalent to 35 homers in the prorated 2020 season. He's just a great hitter. No doubt about it, but the number five best outfielder in baseball is Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge is bigger than Zion Williamson. He's 6'7", 282, shredded, and having an amazing season for the Yankees team who desperately needs him. He hits the ball harder than anyone in baseball. No duh. He's a freak of nature that glides around the outfield as gracefully as anyone, and he's still hitting for power with 21 bombs but it doesn't even seem like he's trying to hit home runs. It just happens to run into them with his awesome approach. But an underrated aspect of Judge's game is his fielding. He's a really, really good right fielder, and he has one of the best and most accurate arms in all of baseball. The only problem with Judge is the injury history, but he's been completely healthy this year after he really changed his offseason regimen. He's a top 10 player in the game, and he's one of the faces of baseball, and he's one of the most fun players to watch in the entire sport. What did he change in his offseason regimen? Last time I checked, I think both him and Stanton, they started doing a lot less weightlifting and a lot more yoga, making sure they're stretched out, those making their muscles longer rather than bigger. 6'7", 282, you need to add weight? No. You need to get longer. You need to get graceful. And it's showing. I mean, Stan's been healthier this year. Judge has been healthier this year. I mean, Stan, we could even put him in our honorable mentions, even though he's pretty much just a DH. So he'll, you'll see him probably in our DH rankings. But Stan has been good. Judge has been good. And yet the Yankees have been terrible. I kind of like that you just use the word gracefuler instead of gracefulerist. <laughs> what was that? Gracefuler. What I love about Aaron Judge, <clears throat> you know, Tyler O'Neill is great because of his strength. Yes. Aaron Judge is world-class because he's a very fundamentally sound baseball player that happens to have world-class strength as well. You cannot say it better than you just said it right there. You right. literally can't because like, that's exactly what it is. He just runs into home runs because he's such a freak and he's so strong but you see him peppering balls in the outfield, even watching him take batting practice. This guy's not just launching home runs over and over again. He's working away. He's hitting balls off the wall. He's hitting ball line drives. That's his game, but he just happens to run into home runs because he's just so much bigger than everybody. Right. So if you're six foot, 190 pounds, you can look at Aaron judge and say, that's a really smooth swing. I can emulate that. Oh, Short. he does this really well defensively. I can emulate that. The only Absolutely. reason Judge is better than you will ever be is because he's bigger than Rob Gronkowski and Zion Williamson. He's bigger than Zion Williamson. Like, put if you're listening to this podcast, like, put that into your head. Like, that is crazy. And Zion 
is even dealing with a little bit of, you know, being 21 or 20 or however old he is, a little bit of that baby fat. Aaron Judge is a grown ass man yeah. at 282, six foot seven, lean. I like hearing that about Stanton and Judge because you heard about that at uh, Duke. You heard about that with Zion Williamson. When Zion got to Duke, they had him doing a lot of body weight stuff and not yes. necessarily max benching, max squatting, max power cleaning. It's a lot of body weight. It's a lot of flexibility because that is how you increase your endurance. That's how you are an athlete for as long as possible. And I think Judge is starting to figure that out. Absolutely. And it's showing. It's showing there. Judge has played every game this year. Maybe he's missed one or two, but he's played pretty much every game. Harper and Judge are in a class of their own. We mentioned that the top six was a different animal, but top, top four yeah. is a lot better than five and six. <laughs> they are. Oh, my God. Top four. I mean, you can make the argument that top four is the top four best players in baseball. Seriously. 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 22-year-old Juan Soto is the fourth best outfielder in baseball and maybe the fourth best player in baseball. He's literally the best player in baseball at not chasing bad pitches. He's 22 years old, and he doesn't chase bad pitches. He doesn't do it more so than anybody else. And when he does swing at pitches, he hits lasers pretty much all the time. And he doesn't strike out all too often. And he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. And seven of his 11 homers this year are to left center from the left side. And I I could keep going if I wanted. I just like saying and. But Juan Soto, I mean, I... You run out of words for him, and it could be criminal to have him at four. But he's at it could four. be criminal. The Shoto shuffle, just like watching him hit every day, like watching him in the box. One of the most fun players to watch hit, and just the confidence running out of this guy is like nobody in our game at twenty-two years old. There's. And he'll probably win the home run derby, in my opinion. He's my pick to win the home run derby. Juan Soto is generational talent. And probably if we're looking at the youngest players in baseball right now, the Tatises, the Vladdies, the guys under, you know, the 23, 22-year-olds, maybe the biggest lock to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's already got a ring. He's already got a ring. But the number three best outfielder in baseball is Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Before we talk about how great of a hitter Mookie Betts is, he's the best defensive outfielder in baseball. There, I said it. Maybe the best defender in all of baseball. I also think he's the smartest base runner in the game. He always makes the right decisions 100% of the time, and he never makes outs on the bases. More so than anything, the man makes winning plays. It's hard to find a player who makes a bigger impact on winning games on an individual basis in over a 162-game season. He's not having the best start to 2021, but it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. He's still got an 838 OPS and a 132 WRC+. He's a two-time champ. And this is the guy, one of the guys, you want in the box in the biggest moments. And I think he's the most instinctual player in the league. Just instincts. Mookie Betts knows how to play baseball quite possibly better than anyone in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I, there is nobody. (laughs) Yes. You're right. (laughs) You said it, you said it perfectly. There's no 
other player that looks as comfortable playing baseball as Mookie Betts does. Even a guy like Mike Trout, I'm not going to say he looks uncomfortable, but you can tell that he is so good at baseball in large part because he's a tank. He's exactly. an athletic freak. Mookie Betts, like, yeah, he's an athletic freak, but in, in a different way than Trout and Absolutely. some of these other guys like Acuna and Tatis and Vladi because Mookie is the athlete. Mookie bowled a 300. That's what you got. He has know. to be smarter. Like he has to be smarter to be this good. And right. he is really that smart. Right. And like when he moved from the Red Sox to the Dodgers and they instantly won a World Series, you can tell Mookie Betts went in that locker room and said, This is how we're going to play baseball. We're going to be dynamic. We're going to run the bases. We're going to do everything well. We're not going to be a three true outcome team. And the Dodgers just rolled and rolled. And Mookie Betts has to be one of the biggest reasons why that happened. And he's one of the best outfielders in baseball, one of the best overall players in baseball. Mookie Betts is the kid that bowls the 300 and then is the silkiest pickup basketball player ever because he can hit the fadeaway mid-range jumper. Like Mookie Betts is Chris Paul, right? That's or what like goes Curry on. or something. I agree. Just smooth. Smooth, smooth man. So smooth. <sighs> Two. Two. God, this sucks. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the second best player in baseball right now. Is, 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 is. is. We're not counting DeGrom because he's a pitcher. We view pitcher and player a little bit differently. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is the second best player in baseball right now. We said it in April. We're saying it here on July 12th. Acuna was robbed of an all-time season. Like, God, it was so hard to watch him crash into that wall. And, oh, man, to see him in the All-Star game, to see him at Coors Field, and then see him as part of the Brave season uh, in the back half would be amazing, but we're not going to get the chance to do it. Acuna's 23 years old. He's going to spend a lot more time as a top three player in baseball. But just just a quick run-through on Ronald Acuna Jr. <laughs> 97, 98, or 99th percentile. He's the 99th percentile in average exit velocity, which means that he hits the ball harder than pretty much everybody except maybe one or two guys in the league. Max exit velocity. He's hit a baseball harder than pretty much anybody else in the league. How about barrel rate? He hits the ball more consistently. 98th percentile in that. Chase rate, he doesn't do it. 87th percentile. He's in the top 15%. Walk rate, he does it often, top 10%. And he's in the 97th percentile in sprint speed. You look at his spray chart and it's all over the place. The home runs all over the place, evenly distributed, very deep to left, but he has worked his way around the outfield ring, left to right. Acuna is must-watch television. He and Tatis, more so than Trout right now. And I get that Mike Trout's the best player on planet Earth and will be one of the GOATs. But if you have the choice between a Padres, a Braves, or an Angels game, obviously the Angels might spark, it might pique your interest with Shohei too. But if you're watching one guy, it's kind of a coin flip between Tatis and Acuna. Just like that, when he was sitting there, and um, you could see tears running down his face, too. I mean, he wasn't crying because of the pain. He was crying because I think he, he knew he felt it in his knee. And he said, oh, my God. Like, I know what, I ju- I know what just happened. I just tore my ACL. Like, I'm, 
it was it was one of the more emotional moments of the season so far, most definitely. And like we said at the beginning of the year, you said it, I said it, undisputed second best player in baseball. And it's just a shame that he's the second best outfielder because of the freaking the guy on top. You know, you know, emotionally what that almost equated to in my mind, like I, I had felt it a couple months earlier was Dak Prescott when he went down because mm. it, it, it's in, it's an amazing player. It's a front of the line player that, you know, is just so committed to the craft and so driven. That's the thing leadership committed to the craft. Like this is not a guy who's just like a freak and he's, he's really good. And this right. Acuna commits himself to the game of baseball. And Acuna, Absolutely. Acuna and Dak are two of those athletes that I have, you know, Dak with the, with the mental health, with the mental health awareness and, and Acuna just with like the love of a game that is being shit on all the time. Like those guys hold a special place in my heart, just in terms of athletes making something great. Absolutely. I love Ronald Acuna Jr. And we're just prayers up to the man, but the LeBron James of baseball, the king of the game, the best outfielder in all the land, the best player in baseball is Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. He's a career 305 hitter with a career 420 on base percentage, and he's slugging almost 600 for his career. This season, before he got hurt, he's hitting 333 with a 466 on base and slugging 624 with eight bombs. We could probably just do a podcast on his entire career in, a, in an hour episode. But it's simpler to just say he's the best player undisputed in baseball and will go down as a top 10 player, maybe higher all time. The only, only concern is the strikeout rate has climbed to over 28% so far this year. But who even cares? He'll figure it out when he returns. And I bet it ends up near his career average of 21%. There is no other argument. Mike Trout is the king of baseball. If somebody shits on us for doing this, I swear to God. Tell them to suck it. No way. I mean, any smart baseball person, anyone with a brain understands that Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball and will be for the foreseeable future. And when he comes back from injury after the all-star break, he's probably going to keep breaking. And I bet he's still going to find a way to get MVP votes, even though he's only played 36 games so far this year. But but you're you're spot on. It's the LeBron conversation because... It's, the, it's, it's different echelon now. Yeah, and it, it, if you put anybody else at one on like an NBA player power ranking, somebody's like, this, this is stupid. LeBron's not one. And I mean, you could say Kevin Durant, you know, Giannis, Giannis, whatever. Who do you want? It's LeBron. LeBron. Like what? Like it's not LeBron. And LeBron's kind of pissed me off this year. I mean, I feel like he's been flopping more than ever, but that's just kind of his MO, but I'm still one of the biggest LeBron James fans ever. I'm in the boat where I put LeBron right up there with Michael Jordan and better than Kareem, at least in that conversation. It's, it's, it's different. It's different conversations. And that's when, you know, you've reached a pinnacle of excellence that can't really be touched is when you're so an undisputed one that it's really, you can't really compare Mike Trout to the rest of the league. It's more like, let's have a conversation about number two. Yeah. This is a race for two. That's what it's turned into. And that's the list. Uh, that was good. That I, was good. I good about that. List. And you know who we get to follow up with after the list? The, probably the greatest interview of our lives with Bob Costas coming on our Friday episode, Jack. Yeah. And I want to ask him, I want to ask him about our lists. <laughs> do you? I, I feel do. like we should go through a vetting process. I feel we like we should probably ask him better questions, but I kind of want to see like, what, what are your thoughts on 
Mookie Betts at three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ketel Marte at 10, small sample. Yeah, what do you think? Know, should right? we go through it? Or should we just do top 10 pitchers with him? You think Loriano that high? Yeah. <laughs> TikTok kids call this ass. Do you think we're ass? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I'm not even going to follow up on that. Uh, follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Jack underscore McMullen 11. Follow Peter on Twitter at PeterApple23. On TikTok and Instagram at JustBaseballFans on Twitter at just BB media, Rodney Boone just went in the eighth round gaucho lefty. Okay. Another Indians pick. So Indians love those Santa Barbara guys. Remember the last Santa Barbara guy they got. Yeah. Uh, is he Justin's cousin? Shane. This is probably the third best pitcher in baseball. Shane Bieber. The second best. Pitcher. I bet they were, they, I, they wanted McGreevy. McGreevy went early. They wanted him. You know they wanted him. They probably wanted him. Yeah, you're right. All right, man. This was good, as always, and we are very excited to talk to Bob Costas for Friday. Absolutely. See you Friday. Thank you, everybody.